Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we are broadcasting from uh, Greenville, I think it is, Greenland, Indiana. Uh, yesterday, we, we would have stopped in Kentucky, but uh, didn't work out for us for all the road construction and construction crews staying in hotels, and that's the way of travel sometimes. You just have to press on. Thank the Lord that all of the kids are not really kids anymore and teenagers and, and adults, and so we could just press on. Though tensions were high and silliness abound, we finally found a place here just before reaching Indianapolis in Indiana on Interstate 74, and here we are at the Holiday Inn Express. So I thank God for the blessing of being able to stop uh, for the night and for the the fresh journey that we're able to kick off today. So you'll be hearing this or watching this at around uh, four or when the podcast comes out, but I'm sitting at 7.30 this morning to, to do this broadcast so that once again I can play the illusion of being in two places at one time. But you never, you never go without a cup that has a message like this. Must have coffee. Hallelujah. I thank God for this place and for the coffee they provide. Y'all know me. You know coffee is a staple. And so I thank God for it. But now we're going to get into the book of James. We're still in chapter 1. And we're going to be kicking off in verse number 14. And, and then going from there. Really exciting stuff. Going to have to stop in every scripture and just dig through the Word of God that it bring out His truth and reality to our souls this day. So without, without delay, let's get to it. Father, we are grateful for everything you have done. We thank you, Lord, for the, the many hands that came together in Manita and at Morgan's church, Lord, to make a provision for us to be able to, to make this journey in your will to serve you. They're supporting the ministry, Lord, that, that is to come, and I thank you for that. Father, for the souls that shall be reached will be charged to their account as well as where we shall be, and we'll give you praise for that. It's the way that the church ought to be, Lord. Churches helping churches, serving churches, so that the world can be reached for Christ. So God richly bless those that, that have given for this ministry and richly bless the opportunities that now stand in, in front of Martin as well as Morgan's, as well as, as the multitudes of, of missions works that can be done in both places for their communities. And we we'll just thank you and praise you for what you put together and how you bring it to pass. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. All right, guys, James chapter number one, beginning in verse number 14, and we have this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, very powerful, but let's not stop there yet. Finish off to verse 18. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, that the difference between God and man, and this is the necessity as revealed in Timothy for the mediator between God and man. Because the difference between God and man, as we've already discovered in James, is that God cannot be tempted. But man is tempted all the time. And the reason why man is tempted, as James reveals, is because we are corrupted in our nature, whereas God is not corrupt at all. And in that corruption of our nature, <clears throat> those desires that we have that would at, at the first have been pure as though we would have been Adam before the fall, uh, everything that Adam did was done in a, in a state of purity, in a state of sinlessness. But after the fall, everything that Adam began to do was, was a choice that then began to uh, be the potential of sin if he wasn't careful to consider the ways of the Lord. Well, most of us had never grown up knowing the ways of the Lord because even though we might have grown up in what was uh, rabbit ear, quote, a Christian home, most of what we learned was not Christian at all. And so the choice was really easy for us, but the choice wasn't easy towards the Lord. The choice was easy towards the world and sin. And so we, we discovered that, that when a person is tempted, where does the temptation come? It's revealed in James 1.14. It says, but each person is tempted. Where does it come? When he's enticed by his own desire. When we fall to sin, we can't blame Satan for it. We really can't. Because the, the, the place where we blame Satan is all the way back with Adam. We can't blame him today for something he did three, four, five thousand years ago. Okay, six thousand years ago. We can't blame him for what he did then. We, we have to accept the fact that we came into the world a fallen creature. We came into the world a broken soul. We, we came into the world in sin, just as David said in, Psalm, in the Psalms. He said, in iniquity my mother conceived me, I was born in sin. We, we have to accept the fact that, that Paul tells us that there is none righteous, no, not one. He says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to accept that 1 John tells us that if we, if we know to do good and we choose not to do it, it becomes sin for us. So it's very important for us to understand that when we stand in temptation, it's not because Satan's right there beside us poking us with something that, that is, is uh, come to our mind that we want to do. It's not Satan. It's us. We are our own worst enemy. We drive us into sin because that temptation wells up within us. Well, where did that temptation get? Where was it born well, it tells us that, that that temptation is born, really, when you study it out, through our environment, through what we've watched, through what we've seen others do, through what we've been prodded to do by others. Our, our temptations are birthed. You can uh, assimilate, or that's not a good word, you can use as a synonym to this word temptation, addiction. Because that's exactly the point. Through addiction, addiction is the very latch of temptation. Addiction is when you've been tempted and you fall into that temptation so many times that, that it, it grabs a hold of you and it becomes you. 
And so when when each person is tempted, he is lured. You see that word? He's drawn. You can't help yourself. You you hate yourself for what you're doing. You 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 hate the fact that you've done it, but you you just can't help yourself. It's it's like um, uh, an interview that was done by by I'm trying to remember the the gentleman's name James Dobson James Dobson the pastor and psychologist uh, did an interview with Ted Bundy before Ted Bundy's execution. Uh, as he had been in prison for killing so many young women. And and Ted Bundy told James Dobson, he said, I, I, I hated what I was doing. I, I hated myself for doing it. He said, but I, I just, I was just compelled to do this. I, I, I had... I had a drive in me that was stronger than my own sense, my own abilities. And, and guys, I, I believe what he was saying. He, 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 he got a taste for this, a lust for this. He started off with, with pornography magazines and he, and, he, and he built this insatiable lust that became an addiction that, that in his temptation he was lured and enticed by his desire and and though he knew it was wrong and though he knew it was evil it was wicked it was it was it was not right he still did it because he was enticed by it it was lured he was he was driven by this temptation and a lot of you guys are probably connected to that at some point in your life or another where you've done things that you weren't proud of where you've done things that you wish you didn't where you were in places that you wish you didn't go all because friends were pulling at you. All because because family members were telling you it was okay. This is something you should do. All because uh, you named the circumstances. You named the environment. The temptation was there. But the only reason why you fell was because of you. It was not Satan. God gives you the strength not to. But you, in temptation lure yourself and entice yourself to do it it's very important to understand and and when that desire when, when you start thinking about that thing uh, you start wanting that that subject you, you you start pining for whatever it is mostly the addiction and then when the desire when it has conceived that desire is 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 started in you the conception point is is when the the cellular division begins in the formation of a baby and so at conception the baby is just as viable a human being as as coming out of the womb because this is the very process by which god had created for for man to come into the world this is a process of life that was made by god so so we also understand that many things have a conception. Desire, when it is conceived, as we see, brings forth sin. So when we have a desire for something and we it, it, it takes root in us, it, it begins to grow within us, just like a child begins to grow in the womb, uh, you begin to feel the changes yeah you know when a, when a child even before you know that that you're pregnant oftentimes you're going to be going through uh, times of sickness you're going to be having uh, uh, pains in in the stomach region or even deeper down into the pelvic region you're going to be having pains and cramps and things that are just not normal or natural to last as long 
You're going to start having cravings. You're going to start being hungry for different things at different times and eating meals more frequently. There's so many things that are going to start happening to you as conception has begun before you come to the reality of what really is causing all of that. The same thing is true from your desire. You, you wake up hungry for something, but you don't know what it is. You you you, you search for for things. You, you you get this desire, this this passion for something, and when it finally takes root within you, it gives birth to sin. In other words, that that conception of desire is iniquity, and when you act on that iniquity, it becomes sin. And sin, when it's fully grown. And this is the dangers because this is like the drug addict that just keeps getting more and more and more. And it's not satisfied with a little bit anymore. They've got to have more and more and more. And the next thing you know, they're laying on a hospital bed overdosed and dead. That's exactly the reality. Uh, you know, a, a, a little taste of of drug, a little taste of ecstasy, or a little taste, maybe a line of coke, and 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 a person's hooked. Maybe maybe uh, they shoot up with heroin once, and they're and they're so euphoric that they're just hooked on it. They gotta have that high again, and that desire begins to explode within them, and so they do whatever it takes to be able to get the next fix, and and so they they end up losing their job, and they end up, uh, you know, not being on time, being late, being being lethargic. And so they lose their job, and now they got to resort resort to stealing, and 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 ultimately potentially to killing people to be able to get more money, to be able to get the next fix, or they begin to sell their bodies and and prostitution just so that they can get the next fix, and and, and ultimately they end up with diseases. Ultimately they end up in 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 they end up dead because that desire when it conceived it brought the sin that they began to commit and when sin had become fully grown it killed them it brought death and that was only one avenue guys that's that's only the avenue of drugs because many of us are so familiar we've had family members we've we've seen friends with all all these things happen so it's something familiar but guys that could be something so simple as eating it's having such a passion for eating that you just don't stop eating and you're eating all the time and you're eating all these bad foods. You've got diabetes, but you want sugar and you eat sugar and sugar and sugar. And your, your, your doctor says, I'm going to have to amputate your legs if you don't stop this. If you don't turn around, I'm going to have to put you on insulin. You're going to have to go on dialysis, but you don't care. You just keep eating sugar and sugar and sugar. You just keep eating everything you want. You're going to die. And, and there's no one to be able to blame but you, because the desire was so great within you and it was not bridled by the Holy Spirit. It was not bridled by you. You didn't put the bit in the horse's mouth to pull the head back and control the reins. You just let your desire run rampant. And that desire transferred to the actions that would bring your own death. Guys, that's the scripture. That's the reality of this thing. <clears throat> <clears throat> and and then at verse 16, James goes to say, don't be deceived, brothers. Don't be deceived. Don't sit there and think that 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 you you somehow have uh, have the right to do these things. Don't sit there and think that 
that it's perfectly fine for you to do and that the doctors don't know what they're talking about. Don't sit there and think that other people shouldn't, but you have a reason why you should. Don't sit there and think that because, and, and, and please don't sit there and, and while you're enticing all of the desires that you have, while you're, while you're bathing in the lust of your life, don't sit there and think that these are the blessings of God for they're not. These, these things are not bringing you to life. They're drawing you down to death. Chasing those desires and fulfilling the lust of your eyes and the lust of your flesh and the pride of your life is only drawing you to death. And that's why James is saying, do not be deceived. Don't think that this desire is something that is given to you by God. It is not something given to you by God. It is a desire of the flesh and the flesh is corrupt. Don't sit there and think that this is, this is the way that God made you. This is not the reality. God didn't make you this way. Corruption has made you this way. You entered into the world of sin, and sin is in every part of you, and so those, those desires you believe to be natural, unfortunately, are. Things like, like homosexuality, things in the LGBT uh, community, that, understanding that these are natural desires, there's no question about that. This is a natural desire. But are we not catching on to what James is saying? Those things of nature are things corrupt. That, that is not uh, the nature that God would have for you to have. This is the nature that, that you have being conceived, born in sin. Remember, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Remember that <clears throat> there is none that doeth good. Therefore, these desires that we may have that lead us in a path that would be contrary to what God says is good is not good. It's the nature of sin within us. And unfortunately, it, it is natural. And unfortunately, we are broken and, and prone to an unnatural taste <clears throat> for things. But we have to, to accept what God has said. Well, I, now I take that back. You don't have to accept what God has said. You can well reject it. But then rejecting God would be rejecting life and understand the end result for you will be death and the death will be brought forth by the, the passions and the desires that you are currently living in. And, and if you do not want this to be the case, then you must repent. You must turn from your wicked ways, just like 2 Chronicles 7.14 said, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will heal, the, or I will forgive their transgressions, and I will heal their land. We have to accept the reality that, that it is possible we have deceived our own selves that we have been deceived by the world around us by telling us that these things which we think to be natural, which means that they're good, are actually not good. And that these things that we are currently doing or being are contrary to what is good from God's Word. And the deception is thinking that it's okay when God said it wasn't. 
And he goes on to tell us in verse number 17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Well, we discover that, that God's gifts are given to us without repentance. He does not change. But in our lives, when our desires fluctuate and change, we discover that those desires would not be consistent with what God has given because God never changes. Therefore, the desires that God has placed in our heart would never change. My desire to serve the Lord has never changed once since July or June 29th of the year 2000 when, when I received Jesus as my Savior, that I've never gone back. This this is exactly the direction. And, and many of those that have been around me uh, have gone back. Many of those of the church that we were, we were affiliated with, that we were connected to upon uh, my wife and I coming to Christ, many of those we've seen fall from, from the wayside. They've, they, they have reverted. They have gone back to their old ways. And thus, my question to them is, did you lie? Did you, did you come to church or did you claim salvation simply because you needed some sense of community, some sense of connection to a people group that, that you could be protected by in and with? And so that you would live this great Christian life up until the time where it was, it was due for a change and a move. And as soon as you move away from that Christian family, you fell away and you went back into the old self then I would submit that you need to be saved. All of that great teaching that we received, and yet still you, you, you have just completely abandoned it all and gone back to the former way of life, you're lost. You need to be saved. Why? Because the, the, the gifts that God gives, the blessings that God provides, the desires that are born of the Holy Spirit are not repented of. They do not change. They're consistent. They they are going to be exactly the same as they have been for the rest of your life if, it, if indeed the Lord be in you and with you because His repentance, or not His repentance, but His, His gifts are not to be repented of. And so if a person can claim to be a Christian but then turn away from, from the church, turn away from the, the service to Jesus, turn away from everything that is what is said to be good by the Word of God, back into the old nature, back into the old ways of an old life, you're lost. You lied. You never came to Christ. Because once a child of God is born again, he's completely transformed by the renewing of his mind. There's no going back. There's only a pressing forward to the crown of life. And so this is the gift, the perfect gift, that comes from above. There's no variation in his desire. There's no shadow of change within him. His will is his way, and his way is that narrow and straight gate. You see in verse 18, it says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. It was his will to save us. As though many of us might think we had something to do in this process or had something to, to be able to add to this process. Not at all. Salvation is 100% work of God. It has absolutely no work of you anywhere in it. And as a gift, it is given unto you. It is revealed to you by His Word, and it is given unto you because of His will. His will is that all that would be saved. Like it says in Second Peter chapter number 3, and, and verse number 10, he says, 
He says that God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men consider slackness, he said, but, but he's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, his own will brought us by the, by the word of truth that we could be a first fruits of his creatures. Now, first fruits is dealing with what we experienced last week is concerning Shavuot, <clears throat> the 50 days Pentecost from, from the crucifixion of our Savior is the first fruits from the dead. Well, praise God, we are a kind. In other words, we're in the same type of, of creature as Christ upon our salvation. We are the kind of first fruits from his creatures. And that's a very important point because as Jesus is recognized as the first fruit and we come to faith through Jesus and are saved by the Father, we, we become the same kind that Jesus is. We're no longer the human kind, as it were, but we are the Christ kind. And so we have become a kind of first fruits. That's kind of neat, isn't it? And so that this world truly isn't our home anymore, that we truly are an alien from among mankind as being separated through the new birth received in Christ Jesus. We, we are separate. So we need to live separate. As ambassadors to our king, as being subjects to his kingdom, we need to live like subjects to the kingdom, eh? And so he calls us to this last point that he makes within chapter 1 is the, the hearing and the doing of his word. He says in verse number 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. <laughs> now, the only part about us that's allowed to be quick, according to this particular scripture, is to hear. <laughs> now, here in this word means to receive information and understand it. So, so oftentimes we listen to people walk away and really didn't catch much out of the conversation at all. It would be about like people coming to church from week to week and walking out the door going, good message preacher, but then living their lives as though they didn't hear anything that God had to say through the man at the pulpit that day. <laughs> so hearing this person is the same word that is used, he says, quick to hear. It's the same word that Jesus would speak through John to the churches uh, in Revelation. Say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Same thing. Now, what are we supposed to be slow about? Slow to speak. Oftentimes, our mouth can be as fast as our ears, but that's a dangerous proposition. We haven't formulated our thoughts yet as concerning what we just heard. We just blast off at the mouth and what we say cannot be taken back. Words retain their power where actions fade away. You see, actions can be forgotten, but words will pierce the soul. They'll never be forgotten. Your words, my friends, are so much more powerful than any physical actions that have ever been taken against you. There, you may have been told something from your youth that you carry unto this day. I mean, for, for me, I'm, I'm 46 years old, but I'll never forget the day where, where I was told that I was a mistake, <laughs> where I, I shouldn't have even been born. 
I'm pretty sure that it was just a moment where mom was pretty frustrated because I was a, a handful, and there's no question about that. But those words, never forgot them. And, and you know, they, they etch a place in your soul as to, to formulate the character of a person that may become from that. When you're, when you're seven or eight years old and, and, and you discover that you were a mistake, you discover that, that you shouldn't have been born, that, that they weren't even going to have children, that you, you were an accident, that they weren't even going to have children anymore, and then, oops, here you come. Well, thank God that, that abortion was not a popular thing in that day. Hallelujah. But... Nevertheless, um, you, you, you experience these words, how they dig a place into your soul that even at this point of 46, though it holds no bearing over me, I'll never forget it. And many of you have the same testimonies. Many of you were picked on on the bus ride to school. Many of you were, uh, something was said by a family member, something was said by a co-worker, something was said by by, by uh, friends and, or, or, or a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend or something of that nature, and, and, and it just burns into your soul, and you've never forgotten it. Well, guys, that's, that's a reality of, of being slow to speak <clears throat> and thus slow to anger. <clears throat> well, there's a point being slow to anger. Anger is is connected to a spirit. Now, anger, when it is born, let's go back up and look at the, the point that is spoken concerning the way that, that desire works. So it says, desire, when it, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Well, anger is, is a situation where frustration, give, when frustration gives birth to being mad, being mad brings forth anger, and anger is a spirit that takes you over and literally brings brings you to the brink of death because anger anger has been responsible for so many crimes, has been responsible for so many deaths committed by murder. Anger is something that causes a person to lose their own mind and in the process of a moment and we are called to be slow to anger we are called to be slow to speak but we are called to be quick to hear and thus verse number 20 tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god so we could we could become angry and then claim that it is a righteous anger, but that would be simply a lie because there's no such thing as a righteous anger of man. There is only the righteousness of God's wrath, but not the wrath of man. That's conceived in sin, and it, and it will bring forth death, rather of the person that is full of wrath or to the person to whom the wrath was directed. Either way, death is going to be the end result. We're not careful because we won't be slow to speak. And we won't be slow to, to anger. We'll, we'll burst in those things and we'll be slow to hear at that point. So what does James tell us? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put it away. Now, the concept of this, this phrase, put away, is the nature of bury it. Bury it. In other words, separate it from you, no matter how painful it will be. We're all familiar with the separation of things from us, such as just reading Facebook this morning and seeing that Buster, that Carol and Dorothy's 
dog from for a long time had to be put down and amen i mean he was a pretty old pup had to be put down uh and and at that point that there is a pain there is there there is a hurt of the soul simply because of the years of connection and and a a uh, love that is born between those those creatures but nevertheless there is a necessity of separation we, none of us are going to live forever this side of heaven, and there's that necessity of separation. And so it may be painful to put away the filthiness of your life. It may be painful to separate from the rampant wickedness that has become so commonplace and familiar to you that though you may not like it, you live it. And, and though you may not like it, the truth is you love it. It's kind of like loving your children but not liking them sometimes because of how wicked they're acting, and you want to just break them in half but you don't because you love them. That's the same truth. We have sin in our lives and we, we become infatuated with that sin. And though it hurts us and though we, we don't like it, it doesn't change the fact that we don't give it up because we love it. And we must put away. We must bury it. No matter how painful the separation will be and for the time that it will be, we, we must separate from it and grow apart from it. We must put it away, the filthiness and the rampant wickedness. And in its place, this is the thing. A lot of people, they try to go through rehab camps. They try to, they try to reform their lives. They try the New Year's resolutions and all of these things to try and change their ways. And, and for a time, they give up their wickednesses. And for a time, they give up the filthiness of their life. But they don't replace it with something they just leave the empty hole and how quick and easy it is to start back to that thing which you were trying to give up because it's not been filled with something more precious. Well, that's what James is saying. Put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness with your life and in its place receive the implanted word. Replace it with God's word, which is able to save your soul. But then he tells us in that implantation or implementation of God's word into the place of that filthiness and wickedness that in order for it to take root, and this is the truth of God's word, in order for it to take root within us, there's something that we have to do. Verse 22, we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. For in that if we only come to church on Sunday to hear God's word, but we do not do those things which are written therein, we have ultimately deceived ourselves, for we will liken the actions of our week to the things that we receive from God's word and justify our sin as though it was okay. And I think that the multitude of Christianity in the United States is doing this today that their life produces no change, that their life produces no fruit, that, that they're not out there engaging the culture around them to try and win souls for Christ, but that they're going out there and re-engaging in the normalcy of their everyday without Christ, and then showing up to church on Sunday to immerse themselves in Christ, and they think that that's just the way it's supposed to be because that's how they learned it from mom and dad. That's how they learned it from grandma and grandpa. That's how they learned it from uncle aunt. That's, that, that's what they know, so that, mu that must be right, right? And the reality is, is no, that's all wrong. And you say, well, pastor, there you go meddling again. You're telling me that everything that I've ever learned is wrong. 
Well, let me ask you a question about that now that you bring it up. If everything that you have learned through your life was indeed wrong because the people that learned it from the other people that learned it from the other people, they all got it wrong, would you want to know the truth? Or would the truth be something so unbearable that you just want to keep on living your life? Well, the truth is, is that in order to put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness from our soul and, and receive the implanted word, we've got to be doers of that word. We've got to be doers. We've got to actually do this Christian stuff. We've we got to live this Christian life. We've got we to gotta serve this, this, this Christian kingdom. We've, we've, we've got to be a part of this thing and actually be active and do something with it. We can't just sit in the pew and be acceptable. We've got to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Now, the definition for anyone, for if anyone, in verse 23, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It's just a passing moment. It's a Sunday moment from the rest of your life. And I think a lot of Christians, actually, that claim to be Christian, now keep in mind, I draw that distinction. I don't believe they're Christian at all. Now, I'm not questioning the fact that they are a believer. Understand, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not a believer. Okay, that's between you and God, and I don't have no say on that. But Christians, Christians are doers of the word. Christians are servants in the kingdom of God. Christians are active in soul winning. They're active in, in church. They're active in, in the things of God. Christians are the ones that are actually showing up and doing the work. And there's a whole lot of y'all that aren't doing that. Say, so, whoa, now you're pointing fingers. Now you're calling people out. Well, I mean, you know, if it spurs you into being a Christian, amen. But if you're just going to keep riding the, riding the couch, then yeah, I'm calling you out. Because I'm not saying you're not saved. I can't say that. I don't know that. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm saying that there's pretty big evidence that that's true because I don't see in my personal estimation how a believer could so easily just toss aside the very spirit in that is in them begging for them to become a doer of the word if they're not even hearing that anymore well i mean how could you be saved but nevertheless god can do things that man is impossible for them to do so you if you're saved believe me whatever do not call yourself a christian if your butt is still on that couch and not in the pew on sunday and in the in the sunday school teaching and in 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 the children's ministry serving well but that's what the associate pastor's for no that's what you're for that's what you're for regardless of what anybody else is doing that's what you're for and 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 not in the choir singing and not not in 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 the church setting up the tables and setting up the chairs for the purpose that's what the deacons were called to do in the book of acts in chapter six was set up the chairs and set up the tables and serve the people it wasn't some office of leadership power that, that ruled over the church. That was the elders that were in the upper room praying and, and studying the word together. 
The deacons were out there serving. So understand your place, people. It's, it's in the service of your king through the, 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 the house of God that he has established for you. So get out of your houses and get into church. Be doers of the word so that you don't find yourself thinking that you're something and discovering that you're not too late. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. Well, needless to say, this brings us to the close of, of yet another day still in chapter 1. But do you see the richness of the book of James? This book is powerful and it's convicting and it's no wonder that people want to get rid of it because it's so powerful and I love it. But uh, we have to drop it for now. Tomorrow is, let's see, let's see, this is Tuesday. Yeah, so tomorrow's Wednesday. It's Wisdom Wednesday. We're going to be diving into the book of Proverbs. Guys, you don't want to miss that. So until uh, then, I'll catch you after a while. Let's go, to, let's go to God and pray. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done. We ask your blessing upon us that we may be able to hear what you have said and receive this implanted word, that it may change us, Lord, by the unchangeable gift you have put in us in the Holy Spirit, that he lead us to a place of consistency and that we be servants of your kingdom. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in us, with us, and through us this day. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Guys, God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. I shall catch you tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. Amen. Y'all take care. And I should be in Wisconsin, by the way. We'll see. <laughs>